All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today on the show, Leah Smart, editor and host of In the Arena, which is part of the LinkedIn News Network. She is deeply passionate about connecting the mind and the soul. Her belief is that with deep knowledge and acceptance of both, we can live with more fulfillment, joy, and openness to the mystery of life. I love that mystery of life. It's beautiful. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Mark. We are going to have a blast. I've been looking forward to this. We've we've had a few conversations now and most recently on your show in the arena, which was one of my favorite yeah. interviews. So thank you again for that. So before we get into all of that incredible work, you and what lights you up first question is just who are you? What defines you as as we're here right now? Uh, okay, so I'll, I'm like, do you want the long or the short? Um, <laughs> Whatever feels right. You know, I think what defines me uh, right now is I am someone who is sharing what I've learned so far about life and the ways in which I have found my own sense of authenticity um, in my life by taking paths that were not paths that I was told to take. Okay. Um, and so I am someone who is sharing that with people so that they can hopefully find their own sense of authenticity, whatever that is, and also be open to it changing over time. Love it. Well, that's the thing. That's what I love about this question, because I mean, I, hopefully we do another interview down the road and we, we obviously stay in touch and that your answer, well, you know, there's probably going to be some core staples there, some, some baseline principles, but usually I can see it evolve, right? Because we're always evolving. So yeah. I love that how you position it as, as right now. Um, and I'd love, love to unpack just, there's some language I, I, I picked up through just doing the research for the show, but like self, self authoring your life, uh, modern day kind of self discovery, mm. which I can feel in that, just in that answer that, that you provided. So why don't you just share a little bit about your backstory and, and how you got to how you just answered that question? Yeah. Um, so let's see. I, I grew up in California. I, you know, had a pretty, I'd say, typical upbringing. You know, um, I played sports. I, you know, I, I was fortunate enough that my parents exposed my brother and I to, you know, lots of different things, travel, um, you know, musical instruments, sports. I was in plays. Um, I was kind of always a kid that was doing a lot of different things. Um, and I, you know, I got to, uh, got through college, I should say, and I never got, had that feeling that people seem to have that was like, here, I know what I want to do when I grow up. And so I'm going to go to school and major in this so that I can go do these things in the world. I never had that. Um, so I generally felt a bit lost when it came to making some of those choices about where to go to school, what to major in, what to care about. Um, I didn't really know. And the truth was, I really didn't know myself. Um, sure. And so I didn't, I don't think that that really shifted until my late 20s. But I will say, you know, I don't think we talk enough about how hard the 20s are and yeah. how transformative they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I moved to New York in my early 20s. I was, I started at LinkedIn uh, as my first job out of college. And I, again, still had no idea what I wanted to do, but I loved the culture. And so I was in sales for, you know, a number of years here. 
And then I had this experience about five years in where I had, you know, I'd been really passionate about photography. I've always loved photography. And I was like, well, I'm passionate about this. And I wonder what the people I work with are passionate about. And I can remember a day where I walked around the office and some of my closest friends worked in the office. And I remember asking some of them, what what are you passionate about? And they didn't know. Mm. And my skin crawled. Like yeah. that day was the day I realized I had to quit. So I Whoa. decided to... Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a big one. We're going to go back yeah. to that. Continue though. <laughs> so I, I left. Yeah, I, I, I said, you know what? I don't even know what it is I want, but I have got to find something meaningful. I didn't even have the language for meaning at that point. I just knew my skin was crawling and I had to make a change. Um, and so I, over a period of time, I didn't just quit that day. Um, okay. I, I, over time, realized that I needed to find something else. And so I went off and found another another role that was really fun. It was kind of random. I was working for, not random, but it was random for me. I was working for a company called Compass, which at the time, they were a small luxury real estate brokerage. They're much larger now, but I was recruiting real estate agents for Compass. And so these top agents around New York City were meeting with me, you know, in our office and, you know, coffee shops, wherever. And I was convincing them to bring all their business and bring their amazingness to, to Compass. And um, it was so fun. I mean, the stories of real estate agents in New York, which would be a whole other you know, no episode kidding. for you and I to do is just, it's so cool. They have such amazing backgrounds. They're all so different. Um, and I still knew, you know, I hadn't quite found what I was looking for, but that I was, I'd shaken myself loose of like the, of the, this is what you must do. This is how a career looks. Or so I thought. So I ended up back at LinkedIn about a year and a half later. I decided I wanted to broaden my skill set. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I came back to LinkedIn and I said, well, um, you know, I may as well work in program or program management or project management. It's a good, you know, baseline skill set to have. And it's different from sales and recruiting. And so I did that for a year. And um, at close to the end of the year, my manager at the time said, we want to expand the program you're managing. We want you to move to Chicago. Mm. And so um, at the time I said, yes, because again, I was back on the ladder climb and it was not the okay. right ladder. And so, so I had my final like wake up moment was actually traveling to Chicago. I was supposed to be moving a few months after I was traveling there. And I woke up one day in a hotel and I just shot out of bed and my gut was like, you cannot move here. You cannot. And so I went home and said, I'm not moving here. And I am willing to leave LinkedIn if it means finding what I need to find to create a life that, that has meaning for me. And, um, I skipped this part, but I had actually moved back to California for the year, a year that I was at Compass. And so I was literally deciding between moving to Chicago from San Francisco or moving back to New York, which is what my gut said to do. So I moved, I chose to move back to New York. And so I came back and it was my 30th birthday. I decided I was going to come back for a week before I had a job or an apartment or anything. I was like, I just have to be here. And by the way, my birthday's in January, so it's winter. So it's freezing cold amazing time to move east. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so I came back and within the week of coming back, I met the person I started my podcast with. I literally, physically, a person ran into me on the street who worked, who went to high school with me. And she ended up hooking me up with my new apartment. And I met the person whose role I was going to take in New York. So all these things fell into place within a week. And 
it was at that point that, you know, I was able to say, okay, great, I'm solidified. I know where I'm supposed to be. Now, what do I do? And I recognized what I wanted to do was start becoming a coach and leaning into more of the spiritual principles that have guided me. Okay. So yeah. I have so many questions. I mean, thank you. I know, for, I just I talked so a many lot. Questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for sharing, you know, the, the, probably abbreviated path because I'm sure there was a lot in between there and, and whatnot. But the thing I, I do want to ask you about, it, two things. One, you seem very self-aware or self-reflective in, in some capacity because there was a lot of talk about this doesn't feel right. And then you made a decision to leave or pursue another path. Um, so I'd, I'd love to ask about that. But first, and maybe, maybe this answers this, that question as well, but like how in those moments where you knew, where you kind of shot out of bed and it's like, no, I'm not moving to Chicago. Like, what was it about those moments? Were there themes when you were leaving and trying different things that uh, were coming up, like practices or questions or like, what what was it about that gave you, I guess I just, the question is like, what gave you the courage to to say no and try something else? Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. This is the, all of these moments that I've told you about so far pre becoming a coach. So I had no idea what a powerful question was or how to ask them of myself. Um, so, so none of that was happening. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't say I was incredibly self-aware. I would say, um, you know, I think it's like Oprah who says, you know, life speaks to you in whispers. Yes. And then I added, and then you get slapped. Like they were just moments of honestly being like slapped in the face with just a deep, instinctual, guttural sense of this cannot be the way you go. Um, I think that's scary though. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I flew home from Chicago (laughs) ready to leave LinkedIn or do whatever I had to do. No idea what, what I was going to hear back on the other end, um, from, you know, my manager and I was freaking out. I was, we met and I was crying. She was like, I thought you were going to tell me you were like sick. I was like, no, I'm just scared to to tell you that I can't go to Chicago. Um, (laughs) and, and yet like, yeah, it was scary. I, and I don't, I, I wouldn't ever pretend that these moments have not been absolutely nerve wracking, um, some grief stricken, painful, but every time I, the reason I keep coming back to them is because, and the courage comes from the knowledge that every time I follow that little, that little whisper or the slap in the face, things work out. Yeah. I'm writing that down, following the whispers or slap in the face. <laughs> it's it's funny you say that, because uh, the question that I, I often leave and reflect on myself is, uh, what are you hearing in the whispers? And I've always wondered where, because I've heard that somewhere else, and it's probably from Oprah. So thank you for, um, Isn't for reminding from Oprah. Everything <laughs> is from Oprah, for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Oprah. So, so Leah, then when... When does the podcast show up in your world? And, and like, how did that come to be? Because you mentioned you moved, you moved back to New York and then you met the person or you reconnected with, with the person that you were hosting the show. Because I really only know you essentially from in the arena with Leah Smart, like LinkedIn presents kind of thing or LinkedIn news, right? But there's, yeah. there's a history before that. Yeah. Um, so, so in, when I moved back to New York, I still didn't know exactly what job I wanted or what career I wanted. Uh, but I had met someone who had given me some really great advice. She's an executive coach and, um, she and I have become friends and she's now a friend to her. And so she had said to me, you know, I said, I want to do what you're doing. You're talking about life and 
um, psychology and human development and how we get better and how we show up better for each other and for ourselves. And it just feels deep and meaningful. And I know that's a direction I have to go. And so she said, okay, well, you got to become a coach. And so I, she recommended a coaching program to me and that was in a year long coaching program, which is uh, called CTI. It was life changing. Um, and I just started diving into this world of not just what questions can I ask, but, um, what does spirituality mean to me? Because Mm -hmm. I had grown up Christian and I had gone to church most Sundays. My dad did finances at the church, you know, like we were, we were deep in, we were on the usher board. Um, and I had, you know, when sports came around as a kid and teenage years, we sort of stopped going. And I, I was like, ah, I'm over this spirituality thing. And I'm definitely over religion. Religion was how I felt. And and yet, <laughs> I knew there was something much deeper than the way that a lot of us, I think, live. Yeah. I just didn't know how to find it. I didn't know what to call it. Uh, I didn't know how to talk about it or share it without feeling like I was ostracizing myself um, or upsetting other people because religion often causes challenges. People mm-hmm. get upset when you start talking about it, and there's always a side to take. My belief about spirituality now is like there is no side. <laughs> We're yeah, all living in the that. same world in the same with the same, I believe, with the same God, the same experience of God. Yeah. If you have experienced God, then you know it has nothing to do with choosing sides, with doctrine, with someone's wrong and someone's right. It really is love. <laughs> and yeah. so having that experience and then becoming a coach, you know, led me and then this person who I met to decide, let's we were sitting on our couch one day in one of our apartments and said, let's start a show. Let's start a podcast just talking about what we're learning. And we sort of slid in, um, built this show out, it kind of bare bones and started recording in New York City. And it was originally just an internal show. We weren't even really promoting it. We were just recording it. It was fun. You know, the two of us were doing it. And, um, and it started to grow. And it continued to grow. And, um, And so that led to a point of, you know, my realizing that this show had enormous potential to sit with conversations or questions that we often don't consider in the busyness of life, but that I believe can lead us to living more meaningful lives, no matter where we are in our life. Yeah. Well, now you're speaking my language. I I love it. I love it. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 50-minute opportunity to pause and think because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Do you remember, do you have any of those questions that come to mind at that period of your life or anything that that even comes up right now? What do you want? Hmm. It's one of my favorite questions. Um, And it's what I ask myself um, 
you know, I use this tool called the Wheel of Life, which is a coaching tool. Sure. And it looks at the eight areas of life that um, we all kind of experience. So, you know, personal environment, personal growth, or physical environment, I should say, personal growth, um, career, money, all of that, uh, health. And it asks that you rate your level of satisfaction in each of those areas on a scale of zero to 10 as it stands today. And then what you do is you take that and you say, and what I do is I take that and I say, okay, you know, if in career or if in my romantic life, I'm currently at a four, what would make me feel satisfied? Because it's not always a 10. Like I'm okay maybe with having being at a six when it comes to my physical environment. You know, that's not, not me, but maybe someone is. Um, And so the question, what do you want opens up, well, so then what's in between the gap of where you are today and where you want to be? Yeah. Well, and I imagine like, you know, because we, we go through different seasons of, of life all the time, right? So I imagine, you know, those categories are, are kind of always up and down. And I love how you, you know, made the distinction that it's it's not about, you know, like crushing tens on every mm-hmm. every area. It's, it's you know, one area will be probably lower at one point and, and that's may, maybe what you need, maybe not. Maybe there's some course uh, corrections that need to be made, but it's okay to be evolving and flowing mm-hmm. with, you know, these different areas of, of your life. So when do you find yourself, do you find yourself asking that question in particular situations or during particular times in your life? Or is it kind of uh, you do it once a year or you've done it once or like, how, how does that, how's the practice show up for you, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I, I do my best to look at something like the wheel of life twice a year. Um, okay. But it also life out. I've never. Oh seen my gosh, it. you'll you'll love it. Yeah. Um, it's so in your wheelhouse. It, wheelhouse, haha. Um, <laughs> I I have found asking myself, what do you want, um, or what do I want? Another way to put it could be, what's the dream here? Which I heard from someone I interviewed recently. I loved that. Yeah. Um, is when I'm in pain. It's when mm. something's not working. Something is yeah. stuck, and I just know that it needs to shift, but I don't know what the shift looks like. Um, So it's very much a stuck question. Um, It has been historically for me, but it's also been a dream question of like, there's something here that I'm so ready to have emerge that I don't, I don't even know where to begin. So I just begin with, well, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And what do I want also allows me to remove any of the rules I've been living by any, any rule. Cause I'm still, you know, even in my own sense of feeling like I've found you know, areas of a lot of liberation personally, you know, emotionally, spiritually, I'm still living with rules. <laughs> so, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we all are. So like, where am I, you know, where am I not, where am I letting the rules guide what I want? Yeah. So it's powerful. What I love about these questions, like these progressive questions is that they're, at least for me, they can shift your mind and your mood almost instantly, right? Like when you're having a hard time or you feel like you know, the mind's heavy, there's a lot of decisions or something that's off. I mean, literally just spending a question or spending time with a question like, what do I want? Or uh, a lot of the ones that come to mind that are re- related to this, like imagine if, or what if, you know, what if everything went right? I mean, 
there, uh, that's a question I was left with a, a few episodes ago, and I'm, I've, I've been journaling on that one. And like mm-hmm. you, you immediately go into this to your point of like no rules, no limitations, just let your imagination go, right? And then all of a sudden ideas come up and, you know, clarity starts to surface. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's a beautiful, like literally with one question. So it's just, I, I, you know, we all have access to this, like mm-hmm. any time, right? Well, and I think we're all taught to be realistic. I mean, how many times have you heard someone tell you, just be realistic? We've probably all said it. Yeah. I don't say that anymore. And I haven't mm-hmm. said it for years because every time I'm realistic, <laughs> I don't get to imagine what I want. And every That's time true. I'm not realistic, things happen that I could not have imagined. So yes. I am going off of my own, you know, in my own spiritual practice, in my own, you know, question asking and dreaming up. I don't go off of like, you know, BS statements of like, you know, just manifest it and it will appear. I go off of design it, watch it unfold. If it doesn't unfold, don't believe it, right? Try something different, go a different way. I have not found since my own uh, spiritual awakening and my own experience of, you know, the deep kind of real authentic power that comes when you connect with yourself and are more connected with others and, you know, the world and the universe that I have not found at any point that it steered me wrong or that it's turned out terribly. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I've never lost since that point. And I guess it's also redefining what loss means to me and what winning and losing means and what I want versus what's for, you know, what I believe is the highest good or for the best use of my purpose or my skill set. So I say all this to say, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about manifestation right now. Of course there is. And I deeply believe in the human power to create. We've created yes. so much in this world. I what, I what I think is important, though, is for skeptics out there, you, your goal is to experiment. You're just a scientist figuring out what works in your life. And if it doesn't work, try something else. And if it does work, why not trust it? Like, why be realistic? Totally. <laughs> totally. I love that. Stop. We need to stop being realistic. I love it. And yeah, I mean, manifestation just, it really gets a bad rap because I think, and I, I think it comes from just in general as, as humans or society, I should say, like we, for whatever reason, we're really attracted to like quick fixes or the quick mm-hmm. wins. Right. And then all of a sudden you hear like, oh yeah, I manifested this and all you need to do is change your thoughts. And next thing you know, uh, you know, you have this of your dreams, which there's actually a lot of truth to that. But what people aren't saying is what you're saying, essentially, like, yeah, you need to put it out there. But you also need to do the work, you need to see the signs, mm-hmm. you need to follow the path, have the conversations, right. And, and I think constantly remind ourselves to keep our, our, our minds in a beautiful state or some sort of thriving creation state. And, and have the tools to be able to do that. Because that's usually when we see the path and we see the ideas and so forth. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have shitty days. <laughs> right? Like we're humans. So the path is still laid with a bunch of a bunch of heart with with difficulties. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I, I also think what no one says and what, what less people say, I should say, is manifestation also includes you clearing the blocks out of the way that keep you stuck where you keep Mm -hmm. yourself stuck. So, you know, I had to look at, for example, my relationship to 
work, my relationship to myself, my it was it's hard work. I mean, this was not yeah. some easy, like write it down a piece of paper and it all appears. It was like, you know, someone said to me once that um, your energy and your kind of self, the nest that is you is like a river. And in that river, there are boulders. And your job is to remove the boulders that keep the water from moving forward in the river. And yeah. to me, like, you know, our, our blocks, our trauma, our stuff is what keeps us from manifesting what we want. And so it's not just a writing it down. It's a looking at yourself and saying, oh my God, this is where I really just don't allow goodness to come my way or where I really am stuck in a narrative of suffering or in a narrative of losing, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're all stuck in some story. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, I, I want to continue the path with you on where, yeah. where the podcast has landed now in your work, because, well, first of all, I know you're, you're, you're a modest human. And so I'm going to, I'm going to shoot over some praise and some amazingness <laughs> in your way, because, you know, from, from that point of, following your intuition and starting a show uh, with your friend. And what did you call her now? Friend tour? Friend, how do you oh, say Oh, it's that? not with her. That was um, that was someone who told me to become a coach. So I started oh. the, show with, with the show with a friend um, a couple years ago. Got you, got yeah. you. And mm-hmm. now here you are recording this out of the Empire State Building where you're recording the show with uh, under the, the LinkedIn umbrella as well. And I noticed on your website, one of your uh, favorite books, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by <laughs> none other than Deepak Chopra, who you just interviewed on the show <laughs> a few episodes ago. Like, first of all, how does, how does all that feel? You know, um, I don't want to get into like, you know, it's hard to not get into sort of what sounds maybe like magical thinking, but I will say... Um, no rules here. <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, no rules. Um since I started on my own path and since I have started to see life unfold as I'm willing to show up for it, move the blocks out of the way and recognize it won't all be easy. I am less surprised and more delighted is the the language I use. So there's a lot less shock. Oh my God. And a lot more like I'm delighted and I am encouraged to continue. Um, Mm. so, you know, getting to interview Deepak Chopra was, um, such an honor. And he was my first ever in-person interview in my life. So, so this oh, is like, Okay. No. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Right. Like this is how I, and this is how life comes at me these days. Um, and, uh, and of course I freaked out all morning and called yeah. a friend and was like, I'm going to have a panic attack. <laughs> and, and then I finally got to the office and meditated. I did one of his meditations. Sure. Um, and I will say, um, the beauty now of, of doing this or having an experience like that is uh, those experiences for me are not markers anymore in the same mm. way that, you know, a few years ago, if I had gotten this opportunity, it would have been a marker. Yeah. And I say that not because it wasn't meaningful and powerful, but because um, a lot of times we attach, we attach our happiness or our excitement or our joy to an external thing, that thing's totally. going to come and go. Like Deepak's totally. gone. You know, he's, yeah. he's living his life. He forgot about me, you know, all that stuff. Why am I, you know, why am I attaching my 
my equation of happiness or fulfillment to him. I attach my equation of happiness or fulfillment actually to, you know, this morning I got an email on my website from someone who said she was up at 1245 in the morning and something just told her to listen to my episode of Deepak. She hadn't listened before. And she said that it changed her whole experience of herself at 1245 yesterday. Powerful. That made me cry. That is not that is not the conversation with Deepak that made me cry. It's the, it's the fact that, that the work is reaching people who can be transformed and changed. And like, that's why I, I, I guess I'm, I'm much more delighted, less surprised. And my goal is to just maintain this internal state of delight. <laughs> yeah. But the thing with that, I mean, it reminds me a lot of just uh, stoicism principles and whatnot. And just, you know, equally, because you always hear about doing everything we can to uh, come out of the lows of life, right? Not to be, mm-hmm. you know, stuck in the lows, but there's not as many people that talk about, well, if you could do the same thing in the highs and, and, and not, it's not about, and I know you're not saying that it's not about not celebrating the fact that, mm-hmm. Hey, I, you know, I had a great conversation with Deepak and this is pretty amazing, but it's not to like over index on that experience. And when you're able to, I guess, emotionally optimize those kind of situations or be able to control those highs and lows, then it just continues to show up. Right. And you're, and I think you, you, you live life with, with less pressure of these grandiose expectations, which is also super, you know, lightning. Well, I, I think it's the recognition that these grandiose expectations don't lead to a bunch of grandioseness in your yes. experience. Like, yes. It's it's a moment, it's a flash. And like we we're talking about the wheel of life, it it changes, it ebbs and flows. Money comes in, money goes out. Career gets high, career goes low. Like, yeah. you know, physical environment feels good and then it doesn't feel good. So if if all of those things are always moving, then those things are clearly not the avenue to creating your own internal sense of content and delight. And that's yeah. really up to you. Did you have any practices or any kind of journaling prompts and whatnot that helped you get to this place? Because it's so, I've experienced it as well when, you know, going from launching the app and, you know, that whole, that whole Mm -hmm. experience to then releasing the book. And I, you know, the book was very much, I just want to be present with the process. I don't care about bestseller lists and this and that. Sure. It'd be amazing to hit those, but I just want to be present, have conversations with stunning humans like yourself. And hopefully a lot of people get benefit from, you know, the whole journey of that book. And it's just felt so much lighter. (laughs) And, and to your point, uh, it's probably the show title, something to to the effect of just like living in this, this zone of being delighted, which is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I am someone who's probably like you, very self-reflective, um, maybe to, sometimes at the point of overdoing it. I have friends who are like, no more growth. <laughs> Stop it. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? I am stopping it. This is now my chapter of sharing what I've learned and not, you know, focusing so much on my growth because I did go deeply into it the last three years. Sure. Um, you know, the questions like, what do I want Um, how am I getting in my own way? Hmm. What's important about this? Uh, those are all really, really important or meaningful questions. I think you said this to me, it's less about the question and more about the timing. Um, and so I think there's like a, there is the, the thought process of 
you know, I mean, for, for me that it's, you know, actually, let me, let me pause and go back and say, it's about the practice. Like nothing, nothing will perfectly unfold for you in the moment. Like we used to always say as coaches, the coaching doesn't happen in the coaching. The coaching happens outside the coaching when the person's walking down the street and all of a sudden has this realization and goes, oh my God, I should A, B, or C. And really it was just something that got a little unlocked in the coaching conversation mixed with everything else in life that led them to this place. Yeah. Um, I think the practice for me has been big. And, you know, in my own experience of starting this show and taking it from, you know, I used to have a co-host, I don't anymore. Um, th- there is difficulty there. I mean, we we had a really painful break. Sure. And my experience in my, my gut, again, like we talk about guttural instincts, they're not always instincts that are going to lead you to a lot of like joy in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they can lead to suffering. And so, you know, one of the instincts I had last year was, I know that this has, this is part of the vision for my life. I know this is the direction that I am meant to be going right now. And it was my own recognition that it was so important that that be honored and that the person I was recording with and working with wasn't the person that was also feeling that way. It was very clear to me that that wasn't her journey. Yeah. Um, and so in my, in my experience, it was also like, God, I have to ask these questions and I have to show up for the, some of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, and yet the, where I am today and the way that I get to share what I'm learning and the journey that I'm on is, really meaningful to me. And so it was also the admittance for me over a period of time of like, what do I want? Well, I'm always going to want to be working towards really meaningful work. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to prioritize what matters to me in work because my work isn't just just a thing I do. It's an expression of me. And it's a, it's a hope that my expression of myself and what I'm learning is contributing to other people. So I will say like, it's the, like you said, the timing of the question, but it's the continual practice yeah. And it's the constant choice to actually move towards the answer, which can sometimes really suck. Yeah, uh, totally. And very scary <laughs> uh, many yeah. times. You know, like b- being someone that's been on the other side of the mic with you as well in your show, like you can feel that, you know, you're doing, at least for now, I mean, this is what feels like you can feel that it feels right, for example, mm-hmm. and that, that that meaning is there. And I think when it comes with, with relationships, you know, a lot of people don't, speak about this but it's okay when when relationships need to dissolve or that you know it it doesn't mean that that relationship was not valuable or a waste it's just we all evolve and it's Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't evolve together and 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 that's okay it doesn't make it any easier i'm not sugarcoating it but i think we have this just general view of that we just need to hang on and do everything to continue to sometimes force the relationship to 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 match up and it just may not match up anymore mm-hmm. and we can let those go so they don't take up our own mental real estate and affect the ones that do really matter for us right now right yeah it's like people say you know people in your life for a reason a season or a lifetime I feel like in the last few years, I'm learning a lot more about seasonal relationships and that's hard. Um, And when you grow up, you think, oh, my friends are going to be my friends forever. (laughs) And then you, you realize like, no, things will shift. And I remember I used to ask my mom, like, why aren't you friends with that person anymore? Why don't you talk to them? And she's like, well, life happens. And I never got it as a kid. I was like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean life happens? You keep your friends forever. Um, 
And it's true, life happens. And and I think it's not just about that kind of like as a uh, a way to brush off the conversation. I think it's that we have to change what we believe the meaning of a relationship is. And I yeah. think a lot of us believe that, or at least I, I for sure believe that a romantic relationship, a friendship, you know, these things all have to be around for a long time in order for me to be okay. And so my biggest struggle post that relationship ending was grief. I was, I mean, last year was a lot of grief, you know, for four or five months of, you know, being in grief and continuing the show and continuing these conversations yeah. and diving into my meaning. And so it was this, like, I was finding meaning, but I was not happy for a period of time. Yeah. 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 Well, th- that was one of the, the the final questions I wanted to ask you was, and I'm imagining this probably the answer to this question probably helped in that process. But I wanted to ask, like, what are some of your non-negotiable or staple mental fitness practices that, mm. you know, that are, that are there. And that really takes a lot to, to, to not practice those things. Yeah. I mean, um, probably all going to sound familiar. Me and you are are probably living in the same camp here. Uh, my, my non-negotiables are meditation. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of habit stacking. I don't know if you've read James Clear, Atomic Habits, but uh, whoa, that changed my life. I was like, oh my God, I can stack a habit. I can do something for two minutes. And then I end up doing it for an hour because all I had to do is convince my little brain that it was only two minutes. Um, So I, when I read that book, I recognized there were some things that were really important to me. Number one was meditation. Number two was writing. Number three at the time was running. I had an injury, so that shifted. But those were kind of my big things. I wanted to write, read also. So write, read, run, meditate. I habit stacked. So I, uh, this idea of stacking habits is that you add something you want to do to something you already do. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, for example, every day I brush my teeth. So right after I brush my teeth, I'm going to sit on my meditation pillow. And that was how I got myself to actually start meditating on a regular basis, um, more regularly than I had before. At this point, I don't get out of bed until I've meditated. So I've changed that that narrative, but sure. it, it doesn't need to be as, it's not as hard to do because I've built the, yeah. the mental fitness to get there yeah. and the neural pathways. They like, I, you know, I've gotten all the connections, right? So it knows, my brain knows I need to meditate. Um, so meditation's one. Um, the second, actually more recent, is yoga, which is something I, I had always said, like, this isn't real workout. Like, I, I'm the person who, like, I want to run for six miles. I want to be on a yeah. Peloton. I want to be swimming, like, you know, whatever. Um, and so I, I started integrating that. Um, it took, like, two years for a close friend to get me to even consider it. But uh, that's becoming a non-negotiable at least three days a week. Um, and then writing. So, you know, every morning I am, you know, after meditation, making coffee and then sitting down to just write, just like, mm-hmm. write, no prompt, just, just what's the deal flow. today? Yeah. yeah. What's going on? Um, and then I started writing, uh, after I do that, I do a quick, like, what are the five, what are five things I want? So it's like in the, in the line of like, yeah. what do you want? Um, and they can be anything they can be, you know, today, I think it was like, I, well, a lot of days it's get out by the water when it's yeah. nice. I want to be walking by the water. Some days it's like, I want to publish a book. And I know that that's a dream of mine. So, you know, that's coming, but it's, it's, it's just continue to solidify. Um, so those are my non-negotiables now would be, you know, it's either running yoga or Peloton, it's meditation and it's writing every day. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Well, last question for you. And that's just what makes you smile each day? 
I mean, the first thing I, the first interaction I have and like the only for, for like the two years was my dog for the two years of COVID. Mm. Uh, my dog makes me smile. Um, she's the first thing that makes me smile. She's always so happy. And like, they have such a short memory. They don't, she doesn't even realize like, you know, that yesterday I switched her food and she wasn't happy about it. She's already forgotten. (laughs) Everything's been forgotten. Um, so it's like a clean slate with the dog. I would say that that makes me smile. And then the other thing is just like I said, you know, I've, I've really come to appreciate, um, nature and being outside. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, important for me now, which I never thought it would be to take out my headphones, leave my phone at home and get outside for a walk. And lately I've just been like, literally I'm, I'm like the crazy lady in Riverside Park in New York, (laughs) staring at like the buds on the branches and just looking at them. And just like, don't call Leah in, don't call her in if you see her. (laughs) (laughs) She's out. She's, I, but it's, it's my purposeful way of like just slowing the brain and going, all right, I'm here. I don't want to miss it. I want to be present. Yeah, presence. It's so, I mean, you can probably relate as as a fellow podcaster. For the longest time, like if I'd go out on a walk or something, it was always about jamming in a show or an audio book, like learn, learn, develop, mm-hmm. growth, all of that. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to your friend, like just take a break from the growth. And ever since, even just 10-minute walks, like after lunch with nothing and just being present, I mean, that with nature is just, it's like the ultimate cure to a lot of things. It a is. Lot. And I think, you know, it's funny, New York City is has, um, I, I forget what the study was, but it has one of the, the, the highest longevity periods. So people live a long time in New York. Okay, I, I didn't think, know that. <laughs> which is kind of funny, right? Like, yeah. I think it's like New York and Hawaii. So my, my hypothesis is, well, you're either totally chill or you're just like moving so fast that, your brain can't stop and nothing else can either. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's, it reminds me, you know, I have to be very on purpose to go 80 miles an hour in a city that goes 130 naturally. Um, so that's a very, like, it's a purposeful act and it's a, it's a, it's really like a defiant act to be like, I'm leaving my phone. I'm leaving my headphones. I'm going for a walk. I'm walking slow on purpose. I'm looking at everyone walking fast and letting myself walk slow. And I'm inviting whatever's here. So there's there's a there's been a really cool shift in recognizing like I don't have to be part of the rat race. And if yeah. I want to be, I can. I just walk two blocks in towards Broadway and I am. <laughs> there there it is, right? That's a beautiful, beautiful line. Walking slow when everyone's when everyone else is walking fast. Mm. I mean, what a great reminder to just, yeah, slow down and be present and, and take in the moment. And it just, I think it just links back again to, you know, just celebrating the subtleties of, of life and the journey we're on and the evolution and, and all of it. And I think that's what keeps the delight. Yeah, That's what maintains absolutely. delight. Well, we could obviously speak for hours. We could we'll, def- forever. we'll definitely have to do another one, of, another one of these episodes one day. Um, but for now, I just want to thank you, Leah, for a making some time to come jam together, and just a higher thank you for you doing you doing you and and fully showing up and you know bringing the the gifts that you offer to everyone uh, to the world each day. And you're just 
you know, what intuitively comes up, you're just like a beautiful, bright, shining light to this world. So please, you know, just keep following your journey, keep doing your thing. And, you know, we, we're all benefiting from that as well. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. I love being on. I can jam with you anytime. We will make that happen again. <laughs>